Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. everyone. Welcome to the show. Welcome back or welcome. If this is your first time, thanks you so much for tuning in. I am super excited to bring you this live chat with Amanda from Impact Pilates. She was, uh, still is the only person from my field that I, that I have interviewed for this show. And it was a very, very cool conversation. We because we share the same job as Pilates instructors, we had different insights of what it is to be in the fertility journey and how we saw our bodies in the journey and how we dealt with it and trying to juggle our clients and schedules and stuff. So it was a different and fun conversation, although quite sad at times, but inspirational at the same time. You know, all the feels, um, everything that that I try to bring my listeners in this show is um, hope and inspiration, even though we do deal with some heavy topics. So um, check her info on the notes. You can follow her on Instagram. She has a YouTube channel as well where she shares um, workouts. And of course, she knows her body really well. And she knows what it is to have a body that struggles with reproductive health as well as going through fertility treatment. So if you need someone to support you on this journey physically, she would be an amazing resource to reach out to. And just a small trigger warning. Um, after this, fortunately, her treatment worked, her cycle worked, and she now has a beautiful baby boy that came from her IVF cycle, the transfer that she talking about in, in this conversation. So I have goosebumps just talking about it because I just absolutely love to share the positive stories of people that I have in the show that come in to share their journey as they are struggling. So yes, I hope that you have a spark of joy and hope as you listen to this conversation. Okay. Hello, Amanda. Thank Hi, you Bianca. so much for being here. Thanks for taking the time to sit with me and agreeing to share your story. And I'm excited to be face-to-face, yes. quote-unquote, air quotes. <laughs> yes. It's the yes. best we can do at this it's time, It's the best we can do. It yes, is. Yes. Well, thank and you. Thank you yeah. for opening up your platform to my story. They're all personalized. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So we met on Instagram and I forget exactly how we found each other. You found me and you sent me a message. And I, I think remember I was stalking you a little bit, a little, <laughs> a little Instagram stalking. That is um. perfect. That's how it works. And then I remember being like, it's always sad. I say this all the time. It's always sad to know of yet another person that is yeah. going through this journey, yeah. but it was it was cool to like just chat and, and exchange experiences with someone in the yep. Pilates world, right? Yep. So that I had never had that chance before. So it's nice to, to have you here and bring the perspective of someone yeah. that like we were talking um, just now before the recording, like someone that is like very in touch with body and health and in the wellness industry and, and how that 
sort of sometimes affects us differently, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, in terms of the, yeah, the emotional side and also how to manage work and all that. So we're yeah. going to go through all of that. Love but that. I would like to start yeah. with you just telling us a bit about yourself and also in the like early days when you were a younger, um, a girl or a young adult, how was fertility, sexual education, that sort of thing introduced to you? So yeah, I think I'll start with with that. Having listened to your podcast uh, before and trying to hear some of the other stories, my introduction was is similar to a most in terms of sex education in school, which now looking back at it was really more sexually transmitted disease mm. kind of, you know, school in a way that's, they really pushed a lot of, I feel like sexual education that way in terms of safe intercourse and diseases to look out for and how they can be transmitted. But in terms of our reproductive system, I feel like they really missed the mark there, especially for for females, even when we like start our period, I remember it's just kind of, you know, pad is thrown our way. And it's like, here, yeah. put it on. And now you're a woman. <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> and I feel like until we really wanted to start trying is when, you know, obviously the information came in terms of true reproductive health. But yeah, so I feel like that's kind of my history in terms of learning about you know, my, my introduction into the sexual education in a way it really isn't much, which I think is really missed. I know it's such a shame, you know? right? Unfortunately, it is a trendy thing, especially our generation. I hope that it changes I as so the too. generations go by and hope hopefully, so you know, everything that we're doing, the sharing and bring awareness yeah. and all that. And um, this week, like this episode, it will come out later, but yeah. this week is National Infertility Awareness yeah. Week. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot going on there that that we can um, talk about and share, which is which is pretty cool in a way. And how did you how did you meet your husband? Yeah, so my husband yeah. and I met uh, via an online app. So we both swiped right. Um, so I'm originally from Michigan, I actually moved to Boston It'll be 10 years ago now in wow. yeah, in September, really, I just moved here on a whim, I was living in originally from Michigan, I was living in Texas at the time. And then I moved here to start teaching Pilates full time. Um, I just wanted to live in a city and I wanted to to get out of Texas where I was currently living. I was ready to get back to the East Coast. And um, yeah, we both met online in 2017, or I think like late 2016. Um, we got married a year later in 2018, July nice. 1st. And then it was a year after that, we kind of had the typical, we'll be married for a year and then we will start start trying to to start our family and um yeah that's when it, it kind of I don't want to say it went it went south but I mean that's where we kind of started having obviously our our struggles and we realized that that things weren't going as smooth as possible um and it's weird because I don't know if it's I I grew up in a family um an Italian family where females generally are kind of bred to grow up and get married and have children and become a wife and a mother. 
And that is something that I've always wanted in my life. I did things a little differently. I didn't, you know, get married until I was, I don't want to say I was old, but, you know, I was 30, 30 years old, which was older for my family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Took a little different path, but I think because of that, I, I always just had this feeling that it wasn't going to be easy for me. And I don't know mm. why I always had that feeling, but I did. And sure enough, when it started happening and not happening as quick as I wanted to, it was kind of like, okay, here we go. I always like thought this was kind of like my worst nightmare in a way. So to be living in is kind of like one of those, when I was a faithful person, I feel like God was kind of like, here you go, like your worst nightmare. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just as you expected. Just as you expected. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah, there's so much, so much to unpack with just that little bit that you said, (laughs) like the family, the culture of the family, having big families too, having like grandmothers and aunts and stuff that have had lots of children and everyone looking at you expecting that that's just gonna happen. That's just, yep, that's just what you do. Yeah, it's just makes it makes it that much more challenging when you struggle. And yeah, and it's funny, you said you got married at 30. We got married really young. When you say 30, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's not even, it's, it's oh, not it's, that old. No. But I remember, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm ancient, you know, and yes. you want to wait some time to like have kids like, oh no, like this is, yeah. will it work? And it's, but I feel it's, like even that is so, you know, taught. So like, this is a very like, I shouldn't be worried about my reproductive health at this age, you know, yeah. but instead we, we are, you know, and then that's even something to be learning more about. Yeah, I agree. And we're seeing more and more of it. And mm-hmm. it's important also to kind of analyze, I think, the big picture. And that's yeah. part of why I talk a lot about like the natural stuff as well, you know, yeah. the natural yeah. deodorants and the natural yeah. this and natural that, because it's, I think it's things that are moving like changing or have been changing slowly and we don't think about it but our you know our grandmothers yeah our grandmothers weren't eating like packaged food and putting aluminum in their armpits and stuff like that that makes a huge difference at the end of the day so um let's zoom in a little bit yeah. on to when you decided did both of both you and your husband yeah. wanted kids right away yeah. like when you met I mean yeah, you wanted both, to wait but you we wanted, wanted to wait but we both knew yeah we both knew a family was definitely in our future um and again we were just kind of like okay we'll like enjoy being married again for a year <laughs> and then we'll we'll kind of anticipating that it might not happen right that first time yeah hoping that it does but knowing that it may not um we're like okay we'll, we'll wait a year and start so it was um yeah it was june like late june of 2018 was when we started trying yeah we gave it a full year okay so then we were in, actually no it was 2019 then because it was in 2020 that we um ended up seeking out help but it was yeah we gave it a full year I would say halfway through that year I did go see my OB and got some like generalized blood work and hormone testing done which everything came back flying colors then like she was kind of 
you're good to go. Great. You know, go keep trying. You're like, okay. And then, um, yeah, we, it was a year later and I emailed her and just said, Hey, we're still not pregnant. Do you, do you have a list? And she just kind of gave me a list of places to call. And, um, that was kind of our start. And even then I would say, you know, you just get this list of a bunch of treatment centers and it's, you know, you don't really know where to start. And so we start just kind of, okay, well, we should probably look at the numbers and look at the birth rates and, um, you know, you kind of start narrowing it down from there. But I would say from the very beginning, it's like a very blind experience, you know, like you really, I don't know, it's kind of part of why I wanted to do this, but I feel like then it was like when I just started like Googling and researching and like trying to find out like everyone's story of like what is normal and what what wasn't and where did you go and how did you start and what did you look for and what questions did you ask? It's like, you just don't know, Yeah, (laughs) you know? So we ended up like waiting a little bit because of COVID. So that was in, I'd say like July is when we got the list of, of 2020 and then we didn't, have our first meeting until October. So this past um, October of oh, 2020. Um, so yeah, so then they, we went through our whole round of our eval and the blood work and it came back that my thyroid was a little off. Um, and then I had very, very, very low AMH, like low, low. <laughs> She was like, mm-hmm. I don't, very low. And then there were some malfactor um, in there as well. So it was just adjusted to us that we go right to IVF um, instead of going through IUIs or, or other rounds. And we were just at that point, just kind of like, okay, that's our, you know, we kind of like talked about the other options and with our um, diagnosis, it didn't seem like, it would make sense. And we were just ready to kind of, this is what we have to do. Then let's just go right in with what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so that was where we, so that was where we started. Yeah. So we are, yeah, that's where we're in the middle of it now. (laughs) It's, it's so interesting how you said when you, the way that you were introduced to like the fertility clinics for me, it was kind of the opposite because here in in well I was still overwhelmed and totally blind for the same the same sort of situation but I just got referred to one clinic so I didn't have a well not that I didn't have a choice but I didn't actually right I didn't even know I had a choice of researching different clinics and then choosing one for whatever given reason yeah and yeah so it's sort of interesting I don't know what would be I think they're both bad I don't know what would be worse because having to choose is hard too right well because you don't really know what you're like you don't know at that time really what you're choosing for like I am so so thankful that we are at a clinic with a really great lab which in hindsight right doing research on that it's like it's so important yes. to know that the lab and the lab is within the clinic, which I know is another great thing. So they're not outsourcing yeah. um, everything as well, but um, it makes it so much easier. So yeah. Much the easier. first clinic I went to 
Um, it was fine. It was a great clinic, but at the mm. time they didn't have the resources on their labs gotcha. to do all the different um, mm. testing. So yeah. the AMH, for example, they actually sent it to the clinic that we ended up going oh. later, which is kind yeah. of funny. And we had to pay more because of course there's the manpower and the transportation, all of that yeah. to deal with sending stuff to a different lab. So we, when we went to the other clinic, I'm like, oh, great. And yeah. like this clinic. So we saved right. a little bit. It's, you know, it's just a symbolic amount given how much IVF costs. Yeah. But it's interesting, these things, because um, it's nice if anyone's listening and they are in that situation where they're trying to pick. Yeah. So having a great lab, of course, having a good sort of feel, I, I can't even say a good rapport with your doctor because you won't have a long time of right. investigating if and feeling if you are comfortable with them, but at least like that first introduction. introduction. Being able yeah. to comfortably talk to them and making sure they answer your questions too, that you, that you just don't feel rushed through the process, yes. you know, that, yeah. that you can, that's another thing, you know, you have to, you really have to advocate for yourself throughout this whole process. I feel like when I was, you know, looking on Instagram and you see all these stories and everyone sharing very personal information of their journey, I kind of like thought that all that information kind of just like gets handed to you. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like they, they tell me like where my follicles are when I'm stimulating and all this stuff. But like, and I had to ask for like all of that information, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like you think that like this stuff just kind of, they just tell you or like why we're choosing certain protocols or why am I doing, you know, different medications or my timing or like you really have to, you have to ask all that yeah. information. Other, you know, it's not just kind of handed to you. So I think that that was something that was kind of, I don't know, shocking at first. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important that you do, you feel really comfortable with your clinic or with your nurses and kind of get on that rhythm with them. Um, and that you do, I feel like you hear from word of mouth, like we heard just from a few different people that I know that have gone through different reports from different places. So I did yeah. ask about that, but I think the lab and the, the live birth rates versus um, okay. pregnancies, right? Because a pregnancy doesn't naturally mean a live birth rate, right? Not at all. So yeah. um, were just some helpful tips that we were kind of told, but. Nice. Yeah, that initially. was your ultimate, that was your ultimate decision yeah. those those two like yep. the, the lab quality and the live birth rates the live birth rates yeah that's interesting kind of... I have no idea the live birth rates of my clinic of so, either the two that I went to but... I mean I, I will say that it's a lot more my husband he's like the, the stats guy mm. so he he was the one really digging into like the like the fine details yes. um, I was a little more towards the the feeling and yeah. the can I talk you know I'm the one in there, really. Yes. So, the numbers guy and the feeling the guy. The, yep. <laughs> I love and, that. It's a good combination. Uh, it a gr it's a great combination. Complement each other. Yep. We ended up at a, at a great clinic thus far. So. so also, again, just to go back to the AMH, which is interesting. Yeah. I have low AMH. And it changed a bit as as I stopped and did different lifestyle changes, etc. Yeah. It did change. But it's a big deal because the regular doctors, correct me if I'm wrong, your OB didn't do the AMH, right? No. Yeah. yeah. No. And then the other thing is the, th the thyroid too. 
Uh, they'll do a basic one, but yeah. then there's like T3, there's T4. D- there's right. a whole bunch of different ones that they usually don't they ask don't for do in the beginning. At, yeah, that, but they don't do apparently at like your general OB. So yeah. it's like, even that's kind of like, okay, well, then that round of testing was really not going to be super helpful. Nope regardless yeah so all the flying colors so all the flying colors that I was like great I must be good to go yeah (laughs) yeah so it was really shocking actually when when the the blood work came back from our clinic and it was like oh not at all what we were what we were expecting like we thought this was going to be an unexplained you know situation which um yeah so so there are some different things, right? That you need yeah. to, yeah. And then my next question is when you did end up at the clinic and then with that sort of a little bit vague general diagnosis, right? The low yeah. AMH is still not like a hundred percent conclusive. And even the, the male fertility, unless it's something very poor or specific is also yeah. an what if kind of situation. How was it emotionally for you to receive news like that? It was hard. I mean, I think, you know, my gut reaction was just to kind of break down because it's kind of, again, if we go back to what I always thought, I always wanted to be a mom and I always thought this would be a fear. It was like, here it was, like right in my face. You know, so it's kind of like, oh, wow, I can't believe this is happening. But then it was mixed with the, I have answers now. And I have a plan of action that I can actually go versus the year of every month getting hopeful and then every month being let down and seeing another negative pregnancy test. And that on your mind is just, it's awful. I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like the worst, the worst thing. I mean, it's not the worst thing you can go through, but for a year wanting something so bad and getting, trying to be hopeful every year and doing every, you know, ovulation kit and and timing everything. And and that runs, you know, it's stressful on, on your marriage and on your sexual life. And it's, Mm -hmm. it, it just does, it plays a, it plays a role. So I think like after over a year of going through that, to hear this news was devastating. Then I was also like, okay, we have at least answers. And I yeah. was really thankful for that. And we have a course of action. And then it just became like, okay, like, I don't know, kind of game time. Like, this yeah. is what we have to do. Like, let's just start preparing for that. Yeah, it gives you a mission. Now it does. a mission and, oh. and a bit more of a uh, concrete planning yep. of how you can accomplish the mission in the end. Um, yeah, I totally yeah. get that. Did you have any sort of specific feelings towards like yourself and your body? Again, like we mentioned in the beginning from being in this field of work mm-hmm. where we teach Pilates and yeah. where like people look up at us, right? For like yeah. a, an example or, or model of ultimate health. And they think like, like they just picture their Pilates instructor drinking green smoothies the whole day <laughs> and whatever it is they think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how was that? Did it go through your mind? Because I remember thinking for myself, I'm like, wow, I thought I was fit. I thought I was taking care of my body okay, but I guess a part of my body, which is the reproductive system, is just not working at all the way that it should. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think I had that initial feeling like initially about my body. I think I had, yes, in the fact of I, I had like the negative thoughts of my reproductive system not help, like not, not working as it should. But I think like the overall picture of my health was still in a good spot then. Flash forward to now that is in a completely different place. I feel like I'm kind of having like that, that period at this stage of my journey, being in the health and wellness, you know, field needing to teach, especially teaching online. So I need to move my body a lot more. And to be quite honest, not feeling great and at home in my skin right now, um, due to all of the drugs and medication that have been in my body. Um, but I think in the beginning, I, I wasn't I wasn't quite there yet. I was okay in that. It was, I was more concerned, um, as you know, which is how I originally reached out to you more like, how am I going to manage this with my schedule and how am I going to continue to take care of my clients, but also take care of myself because my body has a lot of specific needs right now. Um, so I think in a way it almost like forced me to really care for my body in a different way versus I think before, you know, in this field, right, we don't get paid unless we work. So our tendency is to work so much. So I almost kind of felt like, right, wasn't me almost dragging my body down that kind of put me in this situation that now I have to really look at this and go like, okay, still need to take care of my clients. But like, my body's telling me like, I need you right now to show up for me. Yeah. And now is the time that I can be that example for my clients of it's not always push harder and stronger. It's you need to like sometimes take a step back and give your body what it needs. So I feel like I had more of that mindset in the beginning um, when I yeah. when I originally got this. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think like if we just paint a picture for anyone that is not in an industry like ours or even um, just being self-employed, right? Getting like paid by the hour where if there's no, so there's no sick leave, there's no like, or sick days, days. I should say. There's no like, oh, yeah, vacation time (laughs) off that you can just take Take. sort of randomly or even like, oh, I'll arrive like a couple hours later at the office because my bosses, I know not all companies or bosses are like that but you know I could arrive an hour or two later and then I can stay an extra two hours or I can do extra work at home or I can come in on a Saturday if I need to like there's there's no like you got to be there gotta be there when the time starts and then you're on like you you are yeah I explain to people like you know imagine you're seven hours but you're seven hours of running a meeting right that's what we're doing we're intently focusing and moving bodies which is such a privilege um but that requires an an amount of of focus and attention and holding space for them and their feelings and their emotions and where they're showing up in that day it's a lot so to be going through this and then to also have to manage that it that was a really big struggle for me especially in this environment too where I feel like in person I don't know you can kind of feed off of energy a little bit more don't have to be as specific because I can tactilely cue them and or now it's like I'm staring at a screen and I have to be so 
verbal and on point and descriptive. That was a challenge. It's so much energy, a lot of energy given and not a lot um, coming back. Yeah, yeah, I totally, totally agree. And it's, yeah, again, different than just sitting in front of a computer and doing admin work, right? Which is right. also exhausting in a in a in different way, right. in its yep. own right, exactly. But it's yeah, the the showing up, the smiling, the pretending everything is okay, yep. or like being slightly late but not being able to tell people what you're doing. Like the first IVF round that we did, I was working at the studio full, yep. so that's back sixteen full time, and I remember having to email or call from like going to running to the subway and just being like, I don't know how the subway is going to be, you know, I might be a bit late. And then you're stuck in the subway because something went wrong and you have no signal. And all of that adds so much stress on top of the stress you're already going through and the sadness of the whole situation. And then also the financial part, right? So, okay. So people are listening. They're like, okay, just like cancel your client, you know, and just teach them another day. But if they can't come another day or you cancel it like at the studio here in Toronto, um, if I don't come, then someone else teaches my client, which is amazing because we have a team that is flexible to do that. That means I I can't make up that client and that money. It's very, very tough. I think what you said before is so important about learning how to like self-care right it gets to a point that our bodies are like this is it you're either showing up for other people like we've been doing for years or you're showing up for yourself yeah yeah Yeah. so can you so we had this discussion right because you reached out and you asked me like for tips and stuff about um managing schedule and, and stuff so what do you feel are changes that that you did that helped you through the phase of the through the IVF it was the IVF round right the stems and yeah. the consultations are so yeah. um, regular uh, and frequent yeah yeah um so your your advice was super helpful um of just taking the time that you need what I found for me was I decided off the um at the beginning when I was going to start going through this but that I was going to let my clients know uh, I've had an amazing group of of clients for some for many years now, and I, I knew that they would be safe people to tell, and I figured it was better just to tell them what was going on instead of having me be missing for days or showing up late or needing to cancel or change and having them make up their own things in their mind of, of what is going on versus just being honest with them and telling them. So I think that was super helpful because it just took the pressure off of me in a way that was just, yeah. you know, I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life. Um, and again, and I think you have to have a good relationship with your clients and feel that they are safe people to tell that too, which I feel very fortunate that I did. Um, during the like two weeks of, of the stims and the retrieval, I had all of my group classes covered for me, being that exercise is not really permitted at that time for us. Um, And I just knew my body was going to need that break. So that, again, took away all of my physical teaching. And I didn't have to worry about leading a group of people verbally. And I had instructors that I could set that out to. And then I was 
easy enough just to be able to reschedule the clients that I needed to, to be able to make the appointments. Cause it was pretty straightforward when I would be going in and they were lucky, like they were in the morning. Um, so I was able to just kind of schedule outside of that and, and make it work that way for two weeks. So it was just a very still worked, which was good because it kept my mind off of everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. But I was able to just like give my body, especially for that two weeks that your body is doing so much work outside of, you know, what we just do on a day-to-day basis, just to kind of just be in that moment and give myself that, that space and that time. And that was super, super helpful for me. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's so valid. Again, whether you're in this exact industry or not, it's such so valid to think about all of those points and I remember we talked about the financial part and it's like okay you can sort of cry over the one hour or a few hours that you need to to sub out or cancel or you can think like this is just part of that's where I got to after a while the beginning I would cry over each hour but then then I'm like you know what I am already spending thousands of dollars this is just part of of the treatment almost what's what's worth it you're spending so much money on this like am I gonna ruin it by pushing myself exactly or am I just gonna like surrender to kind of what is and like I said is kind of try to be that example for my clients or anyone else that like it's okay to like step back no matter what it is that you're going through your body needs a minute your body needs a minute yeah just because people can't outwardly see the work that's going on inside like that doesn't mean that there's nothing happening in there absolutely Um, you know for us it it comes down to our (laughs) reproductive system and follicles growing but that's no matter you know any life circumstance that you're going through yeah so it's so true and when we when you said that it's like it's so simple but we don't think about it sometimes like as you're going through the stems I think we are so caught up with the injection itself or at least I was a lot too because needle is still not the great thing for me I overcame a phobia but it's still (laughs) like (laughs) oh my god we get caught up with the needles and the medication and the doses and like it how we're feeling but if you really stop to think about what your body is doing like we are supposed to mature like have enough hormones to mature one one and some months we don't even mature the one and now you're growing up to like 10 times no up to 40 not my case I have no idea what that (laughs) means I didn't have that trouble either (laughs) that is not what's happening among the two of us but It's yep. still six to 10 times Six is what our body is supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's doing it's crazy. 10 months of work in one cycle. Yeah. Right? That's like my, my acupuncturist kind of put it to me that way. She's like, just remember that that's what your body is doing. And especially I feel like what was harder for me was that like, I was kind of like really prepared for like the stims. Like I was kind of like, all right, I got this. Like, this is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I don't want to say I flew through it with flying colors. I think the dampen schedule helped. I would say overall, like side effects wise, it wasn't as bad. But after the retrieval, I would say that's for me is when it was like, I don't want to say it went downhill fast, but it, that's it's almost like all of the emotions, whether it be from the medications or not, hormones completely dropping. 
um, some pain, just abdominal pain and cramping, which I know they say is like, the thing is like light cramping. And it's like, no, like it, it hurt. <laughs> like yeah. it was, it wasn't like light cramping. I would say then it was like harder because at that point too, I had this place of like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I got through that. Now it's like back to it. And my body was like, no, like, again, we, we just did all of that. Like you, yeah. you've got to give me some time. And I feel like I was very unprepared for that, that after effect. And yeah. I would, I would say at least like to anyone else, like listening, like you're feeling that way or just something just to be aware of for yourself. Like that was a really harder for me. And I couldn't really find as much on it, like post-retrieval depression or post-retrieval emotions. Like it, yeah. it was like to a point where I was like, oh, wow, not not ready for this yeah Um, yeah I see people asking about retrieval and some people are like oh yeah you know take it's a procedure so you're not allowed to work on the day off but the next day and I'm like no just take more time I remember you mentioned your acupuncturist my I think it was my acupuncturist that said it's like Bianca like it's a procedure like they are going through like inside your body and then taking out follicles that are supposed to be naturally released they're literally like plucking (laughs) things down like you're pulling an apple from the tree Tree, yeah everything is like troubled and shaky and you're on either some local anesthetic or you're um on a sedation situation that is also like affecting your body and your emotions and all that and then after that you have a crash of hormones (laughs) because you were so pumped up with hormones to get all those follicles so you have we have to take it seriously too and instead of just trying to be the hero of like you had in mind at first like you said um not the hero part but like okay now I'm done and now it's fine now it's life back to normal right because I have no needles anymore or whatever it is right yeah I have a little break right I'm not injecting myself every day anymore now I'm just kind of waiting to you know which is another thing hear all the calls for to hear how everything is going so stressful (laughs) Um, with your yeah little embryos which again the the, the connection to those also something I was not forewarned about, which everyone is different. For me, it was like, I felt like I had a bunch of little babies already being held somewhere that I was waiting to get updates on. Um, so going through all of that while you're in this like highly vulnerable emotional state yeah. is, uh, was really hard. Yeah, it's definitely more than we think sometimes. Absolutely. So how was so how was that week? That's a tough week, you get the you do the egg retrieval, and then you just leave you leave the clinic in that state sort of not knowing and and we're just sitting glued to the phone (laughs) you are just oh my god god forbid (laughs) if i woke up and forgot to take my phone from airplane (laughs) mode for like two hours i'd be like oh "Oh my my god God." (laughs) yeah that week you know i feel like the day of the procedure is kind of i don't want to say good but it's like okay it, it feels very like i made it to this point i don't know it kind of feels like a relief to be out um you know in our case they got um honestly it's not that I can't remember I believe it was eight eggs that they were able to receive uh, which again for me was great more than what we were expecting 
Um, so it felt very successful, I guess. And that day I was on an anesthetic. So when I came back, to be honest, it was kind of a sleepy, a sleepy day. Yeah. But per your advice, I did take the next day off, which was super helpful. And my retrieval was on a Tuesday. Um, but I will say for the rest of that week and even the following week, like I said, I don't know if it was like a, a mild depression from coming so low off the hormones from still feeling extremely bloated, almost I would say more bloated than from the stems itself. Um, having some discomfort and pain from the procedure itself that again, I, I really, I would say I did quite well with the, the stem injections themselves. I didn't have much discomfort then. So it was really kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it as much. And then I, I went back to my full schedule the following week. So I was then back teaching all my group classes and I had all my sessions back. So it was just a lot. It felt like in a way I was like happy to kind of be back with my clients and doing my job. And I think that's where it started of my body didn't feel like mine. I was still very bloated and I still am. Yeah. <laughs> that's just part of this journey that I'm coming to find. And I didn't, I didn't have the energy level that I once had. And I didn't, to be honest, feel comfortable moving like Pilates, which is something that always, why I loved it from the very beginning is because it made me feel comfortable and strong in my skin after some years of dealing with some like eating disorders. And I was, came from a modeling industry. So Pilates was really the thing that like actually made me feel comfortable and good. Now it didn't feel that way. It didn't actually, that work didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel strong. Couldn't find my core. Like even breathing was like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know what I'm finding in here. Yet I'm trying to cue and coach others to find this connection that I was like faking, mm -hmm. uh, which I will say sometimes I still am even now. So that was, I think, kind of like the, the start of like what you kind of went back to earlier of my thought, like, again, everyone has this picture of health as a Pilates instructor and you are so strong and you do every exercise beautifully and effortlessly. And here, like, <laughs> like I, I don't know, I feel like I'm just flailing around on my mat, like yeah. nothing feels good. Um, so that was kind of the week, I will say, following the retrieval. And that's, again, partly because of, of my profession and what I do. But I would say the, the hormones crashing and the feeling after the um, retrieval was what was really kind of shocking to me. Challenging. Yeah, surprising. Yeah. You didn't expect Surprising it. And, yes. and, yeah, challenging. And so. how, are you, how are you feeling now? So are things slowly getting better? Is there anything exercise-wise or movement-wise that you feel like you found was beneficial after that sort of downstage? Yeah, uh, I would say going for walks is kind of like my saving grace, which yeah. I, that is usually like my place that I go to when I'm either trying to be creative or need to think or not. It's, it's going for a walk. So that was super helpful. And I will say now within the past like couple of weeks, I was I am now coming back to feeling a little bit stronger and, and a little bit more connected to this body. It's still not what I am used to. It's still, um, I will say I put on a few pounds from, from this. I am still loaded in different areas of my body. And it's just learning to embrace that this is 
I'm preparing my body to hopefully hold and carry a baby to full term. So, and that's kind of what I have to keep telling myself. So I will say within the past, I mean, it's recent, the past couple of weeks, I would say my, my mat classes and, and actually being on the equipment felt really good. It was almost like my body was craving support. Like it needed help or even just using some small props and classes. It's just little things just make such a big difference. It's like my body just wanted to be supported. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a great lesson for, for people that have this big concern about either it's the way that we feel or inside or outside, like looking in the mirror and being like, oh, I put some pounds or I'm bloated. I need to work out harder. And sometimes the opposite is better. Just going for a light walk. Yeah, just just give yourself some space. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm sure that your clients in a way appreciate it too. In the end of the day, a a day or another, we're always going to feel shitty no matter what it is yeah so I find if you use your own experience as a teacher and incorporate how you're feeling into your class there's always going to be someone that's going to be like oh my god that class was amazing and you're like oh great I just what I wanted to do (laughs) yep Yep. that's great that's what my body was craving too (laughs) yeah exactly Mm, ironic (laughs) yeah so it's it's funny because we yeah we can relate to that and I think people feel it too right it comes across that it's genuine and it's like it's something good for if it's something good for a body in this case yours it's gonna yeah, be good for someone else yep. yeah so um would you like to share where you guys are now on your process sure so yeah so our retrieval um was in early early march um, and we opted to go for a frozen embryo transfer. So we are now currently in the um, cycle of that frozen frozen transfer. And that um, will be in early April. So we're kind of just in the, in the thick, I would say, of the appointments and kind of back to like a new protocol of, of medication, preparing, preparing my body for, for that transfer. So... Yeah, feels good. I don't want to say to have a light at the end of the tunnel because that this could very well not be the light at the end, but it feels good to have to have something to look forward to. Yes, yes, you know? I agree. At the beginning of each cycle, no matter what it is you're doing, yeah. the stims or the fresh transfer, the frozen transfer, it's yeah. always exciting it's much better than the sitting and the waiting the waiting yep. is brutal yeah, yeah yeah which is kind of where you're at right now i'm kind of i'm but kind of in a little bit of a waiting yeah. a waiting phase now it's but coming, um, but it's coming the day yeah. one is coming yeah that's exciting as we wrap up i would like to to share a bit of i know we shared so much already and i think what you said gave us great things to think about and lessons mm-hmm. but anything that you that has helped you through the the struggles, um, like a quote or a book, anything that that we can leave the listeners with. Yeah, such a deep a deep question. It is. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I I think it's it's not really from a a book or a quote or anything, but I think just a, a thought that has helped me. I think in the beginning of all of this and I know it's common through many that are go through infertility is that that thought of like maybe I'm not meant to be a mom mm-hmm. or maybe I'm not meant to do this 
Um, gosh, I get emotional thinking about it. <laughs> um, but the thought of is that I would tell myself like you, you're already a mother the moment you decide that you want to have kids and then to go through this process to bring them in. Not that if you get pregnant on the first try you're any less of a mom versus going through this. Um, but just the, the story that we'll be able to tell our future children. And just that thought of just coming to a place of remembering that you are meant to do this, that you are so meant to be a mom and have anything to, to tell you that you, that you shouldn't, which is something that, that really stuck with me and helped me and kind of helped me connect more to this journey. That's great. Thank so. you so much for sharing. Yeah. I know it's hard and it's so <laughs> emotional. Well, thank you so much. If you would You're like so to share, um, if people want to follow you, look <laughs> into what you do and like your handles, your website. So yeah, I'm currently teaching Pilates online. And if you are in the Boston area, I do in-person private sessions um, I will say I'm not super, super active on social media. I go through fits and spurts, but you can follow me at Impact Pilates. And then for workouts, if you actually are looking for any free, free mat classes, um, I have a YouTube channel as well. You can look up Impact Pilates on YouTube. And I have a library from, from workouts that I started back when the pandemic first first started I was doing a live community class every Saturday that I recorded so oh lovely that's great that's yeah. great and I think like if people are looking for movement specific Pilates it's I think so rewarding to mm -hmm. maybe look for someone that is going through the same journey or has been through the same journey so they understand yeah. right I had recently a friend mm -hmm. of mine reach out so he came to me and he said oh I have a client that um, is going through is going to start IVF like what do what should I watch for what should I you know so the more yeah. people that we have teaching others to move that have the awareness that sometimes our clients are going through this yeah. and the more you know about it the better and um, if people come move with you and they can share their story that you'll know exactly yeah. what they're going through yeah, yeah. Amanda thank you it's such a pleasure uh, to talk to you, you and I wish you and your husband all the best thank you so and much I'll be cheering that. for you the next next month. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all and I'll see you soon.